Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the On Billable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys in their practice, especially solo or small firms. We're glad you could listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Director of the Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, offering free consultations to Massachusetts attorneys to improve their business practices. You can find out more about our program at www.masslomap.org, and you can find one of our many articles about law office management at our Mass Lomap blog, The Law Practice Advisor, www.masslomap.blogspot.com. There you will also find our blog roll featuring the best law practice management blogs in the country, such as my friend Lee Rosen's Divorce Discourse. Our guest today is Teddy Snyder, Esquire. Teddy has written three books about running a law practice, all published by the American Bar Association. Teddy's fourth book, Women Rainmakers Best Marketing Tips, third edition, is now available for pre-order. In addition to writing books, Teddy is a certified structured settlement consultant at Ringler Associates out of Beverly Hills, California office. As an attorney, she has over 20 years of litigation experience, including more than 100 trials. Teddy, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having me. I hope you're having beautiful weather out there in California. Actually, it's nicer than a lot of the rest of the country, which is undergoing a bad heat wave right now. (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, listen, today we're going to be talking to you about your new book, Exploring the History Behind the ABA Women Rainmakers, and get some marketing tips for running a law practice. Your book celebrates the 20th anniversary of the ABA Women Rainmakers, which include a rollout party at the ABA annual meeting on August 5th at the San Francisco Hilton. Can you give us some history of the ABA's Women Rainmakers? Sure. The genesis was back in 1990, a group of women at uh, what was then the mid-year meeting in January planned an annual program meeting in Chicago uh, in 1990. It was an extremely successful program, and it was the first time that the American Bar Association Law Practice Management section had address this uh, unique interest group within the section and within the ABA, and it evolved, that, that CLE program evolved into the Women Rainmakers interest group, um, and here we are 20 years later. And do you, um, you, you have annual or biannual meetings, is that correct? Um, actually, uh, the Women Rainmakers group has some independent meetings, and then they also a meet in conjunction with the ABA Law Practice Management section on a quarterly basis. That's great. And I know I've I've seen some of the uh, information about the Raymakers meetings, and they look like they're chock full of helpful information. Yeah, absolutely. Um, law Practice Management section actually has uh, four prongs of what it considers 
uh, law practice management and marketing is one of those prongs that Women Rainmakers specifically addresses. Great. And now you've written three books about running a law practice, and this most recent book will be your fourth. Can you tell us a little bit about this book and what inspired you to, to write another edition of it? In all of those meetings that we were just talking about, Rodney, um, especially in the earlier years, I collected from the attendees um, tips about what they did to market their practice. And those tips fell into categories which make up the chapters of the book. So, for example, there, there's 10 chapters. There's a chapter on networking and social media, advertising, public relations, writing and speaking, gifts and entertainment, how to create a marketing plan, how to ask for business. Those are some of the chapters that uh, include the, I would say, more than 150 tips in the uh, latest edition. Well, that's a lot of that's a lot of helpful tips. Uh, and you'd mentioned earlier when we were when we were talking off air uh, that you'd found that since the last edition, uh, there had been a lot of changes in in how one goes about marketing. Can you tell me a little bit about what you meant by that? Well, the internet, of course, is is rapidly changing um, the way lawyers reach out to clients, and one of the things that I think you and I have have touched on is in reaching out to clients, you have to look at two things more than ever. Um, What is appropriate for reaching out to your clientele? Social media on the Internet is is the perfect example of something that is still evolving quite rapidly, didn't exist previously. Uh, Law practice is not homogeneous. I'm sure among your listeners... There's a wide variety of practice models out there. So if you have a practice that appeals to younger clients or high-tech clients, you're going to market those people differently, certainly differently today than when the last edition came out, than, for example, if you have an elder law practice. Um, And yet, even for a low-tech or a no-tech kind of practice, you're still going to be concerned about Internet usage because The Internet reaches old media as well as new media, for example, by releasing press releases electronically. So search engine optimization is certainly something that is relatively new on the scene. Um, It certainly wasn't a glimmer in the Supreme Court's eye in 1970, was it 77, when they approved Bates versus State Bar of Arizona and said, yes, you can advertise. You know, they who who would have thought? But on the other hand, I've seen ad benches for attorneys. So there's a, a very wide range of marketing outreaches, and many of them um, didn't exist previously. It sounds to me like one of the things that you're discussing there was the appropriateness of a particular marketing model for a particular practice. Is that one of the things you consider of primary importance when creating a marketing plan? Well, absolutely. There's two things, as I've said, is one is the use of the Internet and the other is appropriateness. And in fact, you and I, uh, I know that we've, we are going to be talking about different things in the book and you're going to hear me say repeatedly, well, you have to look at what's appropriate for your market niche. And in fact, defining what is your market niche is a preliminary step in forming your marketing plan. 
And also you mentioned search engine optimization. Can you just quickly kind of tell some of, some of our uh, listeners what you mean by, by that term? You can put as much information out on the Internet as you like, but if nobody can find you, uh, it doesn't do any good. And so there's issues such as keywords, use of keywords, uh, creating meta tags in your press releases, um, avoiding being considered Internet spam. And there's a, a, a small piece in the book that gives very specific numbers about use this many keywords but not more than this percentage in this different parts of your press release so it won't get considered Internet spam by the search engines. You want to make sure that the search engines are going to pick you up. And that's what search engine optimization is all about. In fact, there are... Um, agencies to release your press release who specialize in search engine optimization to make sure that it will get picked up when people do the searches that you anticipate they will in looking for you. Well, I have to say, like, one of the things that I really uh, uh, enjoyed are, uh, when I looked through uh, the the new edition of your book was the practical uh, chapters, that, especially the ones that you were talking about, like, uh, that told you, you know, how to avoid uh, becoming considered spam. But one of the other things, and obviously a primary thing of, of your book is uh, about how, how to use uh, your gender as an advantage. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, with women rainmakers, obviously, initially there was the whole issue of breaking through the glass ceiling. And I think while the glass ceiling has become thinner uh, in the 20 years of the Women Rainmakers Group, it's still there. There's still lots of statistics out there about how many women make partner in what kinds of firms and uh, sort of the alienation of women in a lot of the big firms. And, and how do women integrate themselves into the practice of law? So in the marketing sense, do you use gender as a tool? And again, it has to be appropriate. So there are lots of times when it is extremely appropriate to play the gender card. A lot of women consider uh, family law perhaps the epitome of gender marketing where women lawyers either reach out to women who are divorcing because of the simpatico issue or they reach out to men because that projects an image in the court of if this man has a woman lawyer, then that says something about him. He's not misogynistic, and so that should not be considered in the negotiations. It kind of blunts that issue. Um, if you are in a practice where you have to show to uh, a government agency or a corporate client that you have diversity, uh, maybe you're... Uh, a certified women or minority-owned business in your state, diversity might be something that can help you market. Um, as we're taping this, uh, Lindsay Lohan has just been sentenced to um, to jail for uh, violating her probation on drunk driving, and it's interesting to see that her attorney is an African-American woman. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody made that choice to project a certain image about Lindsay Lohan to maybe soften up her image. Um, gender discrimination cases. I see a lot of um, 
corporations who, when they're faced with a gender discrimination suit, make sure to have a woman lawyer. Um, that's a strategy. So that those are all types of situations where you may want to use gender or you may want to downplay it, that and you just ag- fit in. Once again, a decision about what's appropriate to market as as part of your marketing plan, I, I assume. Absolutely. And one of the things that I see a lot with attorneys is a lack of confidence or, or a belief that they can, you know, uh, be a rainmaker. And I know that in your book, you advise, well, develop the image that you are a good rainmaker and you will be perceived as one. Now, can you tell me a little, expand on that a little bit, how how one would go about doing that? Well, generally, people want to go with the winner. And that doesn't only mean clients coming in the door. It also means for those listeners who need to be marketing themselves within a law firm or even uh, an in-house situation. Um, you need to do two things as an attorney. You not only need to be competent, but you need to be able to project the air of competence because it's no good being competent if people don't have confidence in you to be competent. So, you know, in our society, there's lots of commercials on television that talk about a product being a number one choice. Like if everybody else is doing it, you should do it. So showing that you are a successful rainmaker inspires confidence in others that you know how to get the job done. So uh, tell me this. I want to talk a little bit about branding, which I think is kind of an extension of what we may have been talking about before. And I know that you mentioned that branding is the mantra of legal marketing. Can you offer our listeners some tips on how to appropriately brand themselves? Sure. You have a brand. Rodney, you have at least three that I know of. Rodney Dowell. Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, and the blog, Law Practice Advisor. I have a few brands myself, Teddy Snyder, Ringler Associates. So for all of our listeners, when people hear your name or the name of your law firm, what do they think of? Probably each of you can imagine in your own cities that if I said to you, Who's the best plaintiff's PI lawyer? You could name who that is. Or who's the best criminal lawyer? Because those are some practice areas where people work darn hard to get noticed by the media, and they have pretty high profiles. You know who they are. Their names have a brand. So in trying to associate your name with an idea connected to your brand, You have to think about all of the marketing tools available to you to reinforce your brand. So that could include where you decide to locate your office, how you decorate your office, uh, the quality of your business cards. Some lawyers have a little, it's called a bug. It's a little insignia on the bottom center of the business card that shows it was printed in a union shop. That's part of the brand connected with the lawyer or the law firm um, where the, pers- the the lawyer wants the person getting the card to make certain associations with that brand. And um, pretty much all of the things that we talk about in the book are ways to reinforce your brand. 
and and I assume once you have or in a brand and you you know you you're working on trying to create that brand and reinforce that brand, one of the important things to do to get that brand out is networking. Uh, so, what are some of the best networking uh, methods in your mind, and and maybe some of the things you talk about in your book? Networking is a pretty broad area, and it's certainly gotten broader. Uh, in recent years with the way uh, the Internet's been exploding. Uh, networking is simply building a circle of contacts. And it um, can be face-to-face. It can be electronic through social media. You've been going out and meeting people, making contacts all of your life. Uh, now you have to think about how to do it in a more focused manner. Um, there's a so here's an example. There's a section in the book that talks about being a matchmaker. Um, and this is, this is one of my favorite sections of the book. And so I'd like to tell you sort of some things behind what it says in the book. Um, bringing your own clients together or just even helping your clients with their own business, their own lives, and, and kind of matchmaking, matching them up with the services they need can be a great way to bond with your clients and, and network. Um, a very close, very dear friend of mine said to me one day, you're such a yenta. Well, that's an insult. And I was pretty offended. And I said, well, what are you saying? What are you talking about? She says, oh, you're always doing matchmaking with your clients. And I had to explain to her that yenta is a Yiddish word for gossip. The Yiddish word for a matchmaker is actually shotkin, which nobody knows. So <laughs> here's the tip in the book. Don't use Yiddish if you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's an excellent tip. <laughs> Maybe we all reach beyond ourselves occasionally, and we shouldn't. Uh, we need to take a short break. When we return, we'll speak more with Teddy Snyder. Thanks, Teddy. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Are you interested in sponsoring other programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, and I'm joined by Teddy Snyder, author of the book, Women Rainmakers, Best Marketing Tips, 3rd Edition. So, Teddy, we were talking about networking, and uh, and I think one of the um, new means of networking may be social media. Can you tell me your thoughts on social media uh, use in the law practice and, and maybe some of the things that you talk about in your book on, on that issue? Well, not like a broken record, but you have to look at what's appropriate for the market niche you're trying to reach. 
you could call this to tweet or not to tweet. In fact, Twitter is one of the most controversial social media among professional law marketers. Some people think, oh, it's absolutely worthless. Other people say, no, I do get clients through Twitter. So it depends who you're trying to reach. Uh, And as I mentioned earlier, that can be a function of age. It can be a function of the type of uh, legal uh, practice area that the person is is looking for. Personally, I use LinkedIn a lot. Uh, I like the groups on LinkedIn. I like to uh, make comments in the discussion groups that show my expertise in certain areas. Um, But I think in many of these social media, it is very easy to get lost in the shuffle. It's one thing, and the Internet in general, if people are looking for you and you can use different search engine optimization in in the things you put out in the in the uh in the ether but if you're trying to stimulate demand with something that people may not be familiar with so that they're not looking for that i think it's harder for example in linkedin there are lots and lots of groups well it's hard to follow all those groups and still get your work done um, right. I typically come in early and, and, you know, spend a little time every day looking at what came in on LinkedIn. But I'm sure there's other groups out there where there may be people who I would want to connect with, but they're in all these other groups, and it's very difficult to define how to reach them. So to some extent, um, well, you're trying to strike a balance between being focused and doing a broadcast because... You need to get as much information out there on on areas particularly where people may not realize that they have a need for for this particular information. Um, and so you have to cast a fairly broad net of that focused information you're trying to get out there. Um, I do want to mention that the American Bar Association has a new book, Lawyer's Guide to Social Media, uh, that that listeners may find helpful. There's there's lots of information on the Internet and in bookstores. There's a book, Twitter Marketing for Dummies, um, that some people may find helpful. Um, I mentioned several books uh, in the Women Rainmakers book, and uh, these are going to – we're going to see more and more of these. So, yeah, go down to your local bookstore, go to the business section, and just kind of take a look at what's there. I think you may find uh, purchasing one of these uh, books on how to how to use social media very helpful. Yeah, and I and I would follow up by the book by uh, Carolyn Elephant and Nikki Black, the uh, ABA's one on social networking is I think an excellent resource and really provides some very practical tips on on how to do the social media thing correctly if you're an attorney, uh, and if, as you say, that's an appropriate use of your time and, and marketing strategy. I think part of, you know, part of what happens, though, with all of us is if we start doing a lot of social media and stuff, sometimes, and this is just technology in general, uh, we sometimes start to lose sight of the human contact issue and uh, maybe not spend as much time with face-to-face conversations as as we used to. What's your take on, on where that fits into today's marketing programs for women? Well, I completely agree with what you're saying about human contact. And um, 
again, you have to look at what's appropriate. But traditional networking, be that in bar associations, charity work, sort of the old boy Kiwanis Rotary model, is a way for women and men to get out and show people who you are, what you can do. Um, a web page doesn't really interact with a potential client the way meeting them and maybe doing charity work with them uh, does. So, for example, if you do take on certain responsibilities um, in a group, you can show how organized you are, how efficient you are, um, how articulate you are, how intelligent you are. All of these things you can do while, you know, you can do well by doing good in many of these groups. For women in particular, there are women in fill in the blank industry groups out there, women in construction. there's a whole list of them in the book of all, and you can do internet searches and even yellow page searches. There's also uh, directories of organizations, uh, encyclopedias of organizations that may be available online, or you may even find them in the reference section at your public library. Uh, and, you know, just look up associations or organizations or in an alpha list, look at women, and, and you'll find groups. So if you want to get into... Uh, and I'm just going to pick on construction because that's a one that comes to mind. Women in construction, if that's an area that you're trying to market and you're trying to meet people, that would be uh, a good way to do it. When you go into one of these groups, you can't be all take. You have to understand that there is give. You're going in and you're offering your time and your expertise um, personally, I served for a while as a general counsel of my local NABO group. That's National Association of Women Business Owners. Um, and you give of your time because you're showing off in a sense, and that's an important marketing outreach too. Well, and I think that's particularly good advice. I mean, it's it's if you're going to join a group, you have to be active in it. It's not just a, it's not adequate just to be there, correct? Yeah, you know, there's an old saw about you get out of it what you put into it. And I think, you know, Rodney, you and I were talking about being a bar junkie, uh, people who are so involved in the bar associations and go to all the meetings and they're active and they hold officer positions. And and that's a great way to network, to meet other lawyers who may be in a position to refer you business, for you to show how helpful you can be to other lawyers if you get in conversations about something. Um you can show that maybe you can offer something where this lawyer needs to bring you in or refer a client to you, and you're giving to the profession, you're doing good. We're going to be needing to wrap wrap up here, Teddy, but I was wondering if, uh, you know, just as we kind of move away from from our discussion here, if you can leave our listeners with a couple of you what you consider the uh, a couple of the most important tips they, they uh, you know, as far as the Women Rainmakers book uh, and, and you know, what you think uh, would be a kind of a lasting thing for them to take away from this conversation? Well, I think you have to remember that all the marketing in the world isn't going to help if your law practice lets them down. So among other things, 
you can do a great job with advertising, and I heard about a situation like this where then somebody called the law firm and said, I have thus and such kind of a problem, and the receptionist told them, well, we don't do that here. So you have to have follow-up. And one rainmaker, woman rainmaker said to me, in a nutshell, work begets work. So if you do an excellent job on the work you have in your shop now, that is going to produce referrals from existing clients. Uh, and the people who those existing clients talk to about your work. So I think that is critical. I know that all our listeners are devoted to doing a good job in their law practice, but competent work as a backup to all these other marketing outreach is something perhaps that they did not discuss. I want to also suggest that listeners shape their practice to maximize their expertise in your state. If you have the ability to go out and get specialty certification, that's something you can consider. Um, civility in the practice so that other lawyers want to refer business to you and work with you is good. Ethics, the same thing. Even in people in larger firms, it's very important to market within your firm and also to cross-sell others in your firm to clients. Be prepared for your clients' needs. Think in advance. Um, I went to one law firm that specialized in representing injured people, and the office was not disability compliant, and I really wondered about that. How do disabled people in wheelchairs, et cetera, get into their firm? I mean, it, he made it difficult. So that's the kind of thing you can think about in advance, have translation bureaus lined up. Um, just think about how you can best serve your client as a marketing tool. It's all one great big package wrapped up in a bow, and, and we've tried to cover lots of aspects of that package in this book. Well, that's great. And I, I, I've, I've reviewed the book, and I think that it's a great resource. And I know that uh, it'll be coming out, uh, well, the rollout party is uh, on August 5th at San Fran in San Francisco. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, we'd love to have more women join the ABA Women Rainmakers at that meeting there. Uh, can you tell our listeners where they can get more information about you and your book at this time? Well, the book is going to be available for pre-order. And listeners can visit www.ababooks.org, and that's, of course, the American Bar Association site for books, or they can call the American Bar Association Service Center toll-free at 1-800-285-2221. I am, as you said, a certified structured settlement consultant with Ringler Associates, and I can be reached at tsnyder at ringlerassociates.com. My toll-free number is 888-734-3910. And our website is www.ringlerassociates.com. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. A very special thanks to Teddy Snyder for joining us today. Teddy, always a pleasure. And you can find out more about me, Rodney Dow, at MaslowMap.org 
and you can uh, read our blog at masslomap.blogspot.com and on Twitter at at Rodney Dow, where I hope we can continue this discussion in 140 characters or less. Remember, you can also find this podcast and all Legal Talk Network shows at LegalTalkNetworks.com and iTunes as well. I hope you will join us again on the next on Billable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Thank you. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Are you looking for a podcast that was created for new solos? Then join me, Adriana Linares, each month on the new solo podcast. We talk to lawyers who have built their own successful practices and share their insights to help you grow yours. You can find new solo on the Legal Talk Network or anywhere you get your podcasts.